Let's pray. Oh, God, our knees are bowed up here. We are bowed low before you. It is the living Christ who is present through the mighty spirit. Let him be seen and heard. Hide the noises inside of us and around us. Hold our attention. With his eyes we pray in his name. Amen. As we wrap up this series that ends right now, kind of an on-again, off-again series this semester on purity, sexual purity, blessed are the pure in height, sexual addiction. I want to read three emails to you and then tell three stories and then I'll sit down. Okay, so here we go. Email number one, Pastor Nelson, as a recovering pornography addict myself, I can attest to its dangers and the difficulty in experiencing freedom. You were absolutely correct when you said you cannot break this yourself. I certainly could not. I finally found a path to recovery. We'll take a look at that in a moment. Email number two. Pastor, God has blessed me with 36 continuous years of sobriety with drugs and alcohol. Time out. Wait a minute. You're saying this is not a series on drugs and alcohol. This is on sexual addiction. Hey, guess what? An addiction is an addiction. What works for one will work for the other. And by the way, we're all addicted. And the most potent addiction is what you have and what I have, the addiction to ego and self. One more email. I am addicted to smoking vapes. That's an electronic uh, cigarette that produces a vapor. You become addicted to nicotine. I'm addicted to smoking vapes. I spend time with Jesus every morning, and I have literally wept for deliverance from this addiction, and I can't unlock these handcuffs. Please pray for me. I desperately want to be in the kingdom, and I know I will be shut out unless I have been freed from this. Please help me. I want to say to you, young man, or not so young man, whoever you are, Thank you for that vulnerability and that transparency. By the time we're through here this morning, I pray that you have in your hands what you've asked for. Three emails, there they are. Three stories, here we go. Story number one. Once upon a time, Jesus went to church and an impure spirit went to church with him. I never knew impure spirits went to church. It's possible there's an impure spirit right here, right now. Because in the middle of Jesus' homily, a worshiper jumps to his feet and starts screaming. Imagine the cold-blooded chill in that packed Capernaum worship space. Ah, let's go to the story. Let me put it on the screen for you here. Luke chapter 4. Here we go. Luke chapter 4. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice. It's just a po- hit the pause button right there. You know what? I'm glad what uh, modern translations have done. The archaic King James calls it an unclean spirit. We have a hard time with that one. But contemporary translations render that impure spirit, the perfect way to phrase it for a culture that is possessed by impurity today. A man filled with an impure spirit jumps up, 
Come on, we don't need to be reminded, but let me do so anyway. Once upon a time, once upon a longer ago time, one third of the angels in heaven said, no way, Jose, to the king of angels. And they were expelled from heaven, cast out into this earth. And when Adam and Eve come to that tree and they choose the dark lordship of the fallen Lucifer, the induction into his lordship is, is addiction. Every single time, it's addiction. What was that? What was that? 30 male, I'm addicted to smoking vapes. I spend time with Jesus every morning, and I have literally wept for deliverance from this addiction, and I can't unlock these handcuffs. I'm telling you. Please pray for me. I desperately want to be in the kingdom, and I know I'll be shut out unless I've been freed from this. Please help me. That's what that impure spirit-filled man is crying out. Please help me. He can't even word it. The spirit speaks inside of him. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? If you come to destroy us, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet. Jesus said sternly, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. Only the physician Luke adds that phrase, without injuring him. Some of you might be spooked with this idea of sexual addiction being some sort of demonic possession. I mean, I got demonic warfare going on inside of me. Listen, point one, no need to be spooked. Point two, no need to be duped either. Duped into thinking this addiction is no big deal. I'll get, it. I'll get rid of it when I'm, when I'm ready to get rid of it and not a day before. Wrong. No, 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 no. This is a deadly battle. I don't have to remind you this verse, Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against the flesh, against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Pretty graphic and pretty clear. But it's just as dramatic for the flip side of the coin, the side of God. And oh, I love this. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 10. You remember this verse? The name of the Lord is a fortified or a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are. What's that word? Safe. You don't have to be spooked. This is a war. To the death. But you can be safe. And as we're finding out, you can get delivered. Without injuring you, by the way. Now, hold on. Giving up what is killing you will not hurt you at all. Give it up. All the people were amazed, and they said to each other, what words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. Let me have a hallelujah for that ending. And they come out. They come out. You are not hopelessly, you are not hopelessly bound in this bondage. And it doesn't matter what your addiction is. Is it vaping? Is it, is it sex? Is it food? Is it gambling? What is it? It doesn't matter what it is. They come out with this same Jesus. My, oh, my, oh, my. The, the compelling question is, how do they come out? 
So that's why we need story number two, okay? So that's story number one. Here we go to story number two. Jesus is in trouble because he has been driving out the demonic forces that have been holding the culture of his day hostage, just as the culture of our day is being held hostage by an impure spirit. The authorities are jealous of this popular young liberator to whom people are turning, not realizing the authorities that they are possessed with a darker spirit themselves. So I'm going to not put this on the screen for you. I want you to go in your Bible the old-fashioned way. Find Luke 11. It's been so long since you've opened the Bible. That's the New Testament, just to help you. Luke chapter 11. Drop down to verse 14. I'm going to just read it right here. Here's another story. This isn't story number two, though. Jesus will tell story number two. Jesus, this is verse 14. Jesus was driving out a demon that was mute. And when the demon left, the man who had been mute spoke, and the crowd was amazed. But some of them said, oh, by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, he's driving out demons. Others tested him by asking for a sign from heaven. And Jesus knew their thoughts. And he said to them, here's verse 17, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and a house divided against itself will fall. Look. If Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? I say this because you claim that I drive out demons by Beelzebul, another name for Satan. Now, if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your followers drive them out? So then they will be your judges. And now here it comes. Oh, I love this verse 20. But if I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. That is so good, I'm putting it right on the screen. If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. I say let the word go out that the kingdom of God has come upon Andrews University. Let the word go out that the kingdom of God has come upon the Pioneer Memorial Church. That the kingdom of God has come to stand at your heart's doorway Stand at my heart's doorway, and when the kingdom of God comes, there is a finger of God that will deliver. Oh, I like that. Deliver us from our strongholds. There is one in our midst who can deliver us from our strongholds. You say, Dwight, yo, what are these strongholds? What are you talking about? I'll tell you what the strongholds are. Homoerotic behavior is a stronghold, but we can be delivered from it. Pornography addiction is a stronghold, but we can be delivered from it. Premarital sex is a stronghold, but you can be delivered from it. Extramarital sex is a stronghold. You can be delivered from it. Dr. Neil Anderson, the noted Christian counselor, in his book, Victory Over Darkness, defines a stronghold this way. This is good. People who study human behavior tell us that if you continue to repeat and act for six weeks, you will form a habit. Keep reading. If you exercise that habit long enough, a stronghold will be established inside of you. Keep reading. Once a stronghold of thought and response is entrenched in your mind, your ability to choose and to act contrary to that pattern is very difficult. He says it's like driving an old beat-up pickup truck. Anybody been on farm, farm uh, country land? Of course. And it's an old dirt road. If you're driving that old beat-up pickup truck up and down the same pathway, the same road every single day, dirt road, guess what you're doing? You're building ruts, 
And the longer you drive that same pathway, the deeper the ruts go. And anybody who has driven, and I have, a road like that knows that when you turn a little this way or you turn a little this way, guess what? It doesn't work. You don't move. You have to yank that steering wheel, boom, to get out of that rut, or you're stuck in that rut for a long, long time. That, Dr. Anderson says, is what a stronghold does, embeds the ruts deep. He goes on with this definition, a stronghold is a mental habit pattern. It is memory traces, we'll call them ruts, burned into our minds over time or by the intensity of traumatic experiences. Now, hold on here. This is something important. We all have some trauma in our past. I'm sure of it. Can't live on this planet and not have trauma. But some of us have faced more, and I'll be the first to recognize this, some of you have faced more traumatic trauma than others. What are you talking about? Well, beliefs and attitudes are formed in our minds from traumatic experiences such as the death of a parent when you were a child, such as a divorce in the home when you were a child, such as mental, physical, or sexual abuse once upon a time. Unlike prevailing experiences, which are daily experiences that are assimilated into our minds over time, watch this. These traumatic experiences are burned into our minds because of their intensity, and they will leave lasting impressions. That's why I'm telling you, we must not judge one another. I have no clue what you're going through, and you have no clue what's in my past. And when I sit high and mighty on that lifted up chair and I'm clucking my tongue at you, I'm doing a huge disservice to you and I'm in, I, I am descri- telling the truth about me. Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. You'll be judged by that same standard, Dwight. You have no idea what that girl's gone through. Look at you. You got to get over this girl. You got to get over this boy. Trauma has happened and sexual addiction and other addictions are responses to trauma. I asked a friend of mine who has been battling pornography addiction to write a description here, how he got into it. Let me read it to you. Through prayer, counseling, and resources on pornography addiction, I have realized that the root cause of why I and many become addicted is loneliness. Loneliness is a, is a lack of real connection and relationship with God and others in your life. I can't say exactly how or a specific time when I turned to pornography, but I do recall feeling lonely from my teenage years. My friend has been addicted for decades. He goes on. The problem with pornography addiction is that it offers a false connection that satisfies temporary feelings of loneliness, but only further separates a person from God and others kind of this vicious cycle. The feelings of shame and never-ending guilt, even after confession, lead to hiding who you really are from even the closest people in your life. Some of our, some of our strongholds are defense mechanisms to shield us from hurt, to comfort us from loneliness, as we just heard, to provide for us an intimacy we never experienced as kids growing up. I understand that. Mental, mental habit patterns burn their ruts into our minds and then our souls. But it was trauma that started it. It was, it was that igniting. And we can't break free. We want to be free. 
But we can't break free. Oh, the good news is we can. We can. Don't bail out now. In fact, Jesus describes our desperation with story number two. And we're going to read it here. It's, it's, if we kept going in this passage, I'm going to go back to the screen here. Here's story number two. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are safe. That's a no-brainer, right? Sure, keep reading. But... When someone stronger attacks and overpowers him, he takes away the armor in which the man trusted and divides up his plunder. The end. It's a short story. The only way, listen, listen, the only way a strong man can be conquered, Jesus reminds us, is if an even stronger man, capital M man, comes along to bind the strong man that has been binding us. Does this make sense? Are you following? Are you? Because of our submission to the dark lordship of Lucifer, whether it's trauma-induced or not, we we no longer have an innate power to throw off Satan's bondage. That's the truth. Our only hope is for a strong, strong man, a stronger strong man to bind the weaker strong man who has been binding us. That's what Jesus is saying. That's why Paul comes along in our scripture reading we had just a moment ago and reminds us we have access to superpower in this battle we've engaged. Oh, boy, Calvary. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus made a public spectacle of these impure spirits triumphing over them by the cross. And that's why we, we, we heard 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, the weapons, Paul's reminding us, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. The root word is dynamite. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, keep reading. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And here it comes. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ, and quote. Demolish strongholds means we can demolish these terrible ruts that we've ground into our minds by our repetitious and addictive behavior. Guess what? They call it this marvelous capacity the Creator has put in our brains. It's called plasticity. That means your brain can actually change. You can put these deep ruts into your brain, but if you reverse your behavior... Those ruts can actually be effaced, physiologically and spiritually, can be effaced. Every neuroscientist will tell you that. You're not stuck by those ruts. You can can create new pathways. But Paul's writing, no, 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 Dwight, Dwight. You got to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You got to start with that thought. Because it always starts with a single thought, doesn't it? There used to be a cartoon strip. You have to be a little older to remember that cartoon strip. But it's, it was called Kathy. It's kind of a girl's thing, cartoon strip. So Kathy is, um, I got the cartoon strip here, 10 frames. Uh, Kathy is wanting to go for a drive, okay? So here we go. Here we go. Frame number one. I will take a drive but won't go near the grocery store. Oh, now we know. We know what's going on. Frame two, I will drive by the grocery store, but will not go in. Frame three, I will go in the grocery store, but will not walk down the aisle where the Halloween candy is on sale. Frame four, 
I will look at the candy, but not pick it up. Frame five, I will pick it up, but not buy it. Frame six, I will buy it, but not open it. Frame seven, I will open it, but not smell it. Frame eight, smell it, but not taste it. Frame nine, taste it, but not eat it. Frame 10, eat, 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 eat. Come on, that's exactly what happens and you know it. That's why you're laughing. It starts with a thought. And you you keep negotiating with that thought, right? Dr. Anderson uh, commenting on this. Kathy lost the battle when she decided to go for a drive. Because she knew where she was going. If you don't take captive the initial thought, you will probably lose the battle to temptation. We all have to learn how to practice threshold thinking. I like that phrase, threshold thinking. Before you go in that room, think right here. Think right here now. Don't go in. Think here. We have to practice threshold thinking. We need to take the way of escape. Hey, what's that word escape? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. There is no temptation come to you that is not common to the human race. But with every temptation, God will provide a way of, a way of escape. That's the word. There's a way out. Go, go, bamboosh. We need to take the way of escape the moment our thoughts are contrary to the truth and righteousness. Hmm. Which means, by the way, if you're, if you're battling sexual purity, it would go like this. Anderson again on the screen. For example, a man struggling with lust sees a pornographic picture. He has the opportunity to respond by thinking, my relationship with sin has ended. I don't have to give in to this. I choose right now to take this thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I'm not going to look at it and I'm not going to think about it. And he stops looking at the picture. He gets rid of the magazine or shuts down his device or leaves the place of temptation. If he hesitates at the threshold, looks back one more time, look out and stares at that picture and begins to fantasize about it, he will trigger an emotional landslide producing a physical response that would be difficult to stop. He must capture the initial tempting thought or it will probably capture him. That's a profound line. You either capture that line, that thought, or it'll capture you. One of you is going to be captured in this moment. Whoa. And that's Paul's point. It's a huge point. The weapons of our warfare have divine power to demolish strongholds if, hold it, if we will take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. If we take captive our thoughts. You know what? Most people, this is true, isn't it? Most people conclude that sexual temptation is only for the young or the middle-aged. But a friend of mine the other day, we were talking about this, and he said, Dwight, you need, you need to tell the people men can be in their 70s or even their 80s and still experience the power of sexual temptation. And I said to him, you know what? I'm beginning to realize that out of nowhere. I'm sitting there. I'm standing there. I am minding my own business. And then, poof. And I am so embarrassed. My Lord, where did this come from? I wasn't thinking about it. It's got to be an impure spirit injected in. Poof. And I bow before God. How embarrassing. But here's what I'm doing now. 
because you need to know, well, you already know this. Everything in our pornified culture is gauged to plant the first thought in your brain. That's all the enemy asks. Give me that first thought. I'll breathe it. It'll be on a billboard. You open a magazine. On your cable TV. Boom, boom, boom. Everything is geared to get the first thought. And I'm realizing, whoa. Hey, by the way, by the way, by the way, is it a sin to have that first thought? The answer is no. It's not a sin. I mean, you can't help it. Like your mother used to say, you can't, you can't stop the birds from flying over your head. Right? But then she said, you can stop them from building a nest in your hair. <laughs> Get out of here. So here's what I do. Because I'm not 80 yet. Here's what I do. The moment I see that thought, because I can see it or sense it, the moment I do, I literally grab that thought and I run with it because I have a cross that's, that's, uh, it, that's in my mind. I can, I can see the cross and Jesus is hanging on the cross and I run to the cross and I grab a hammer that's there. Bam, 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 bam. I nail that thought up right beside Jesus and I say, that's your business, not mine, and I'm gone. I bring that thought to Christ to obey him and I leave it threshold remember threshold threshold you got to leave it gone you can have this Lord you can have it I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live Yet not I, how's it go? Yet not I, but Christ lives in me and, I, and the life I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Does it, is there a verse in the Bible that goes like that? I'm crucified with him. Take every thought to, the, to, to Calvary. Just take it. Nail it up in your mind and leave it. You're in a war. And this battle is intensifying. I don't need to tell you. Impure spirits operate 24-7, which is pretty much always. There's never a break. You are never too far away. That's why we need story number three. Short story number three. We need to get a little variety in this so we won't read it from the NIV. Let's read it from Eugene Peterson's The Message. When a, and Jesus is telling this story. These are all back to back. When a corrupting spirit is expelled from someone, it drifts along through the desert looking for an oasis, some unsuspecting soul that can be devil. And when it doesn't find anyone, it says, I'm going back to my old haunt. On return, it finds the person swept and dusted but vacant. It then runs out and rounds up seven other spirits dirtier than itself, and they all move in, whooping it up. That person ends up far worse than if he had never gotten cleaned up in the first place, end quote, the end. Hmm. Wow. Jesus' point is inescapable. What you remove, you must replace. You must replace it. 
If you kick that addiction out, but it's left in an empty mind and an empty heart, it's over. It's over. You have to replace what you remove. Let me end with Joe Dallas and a piece he wrote for the Internet in which he offers three simple steps for freedom from addiction. Pornography, any addiction, you name it. All three of these steps are operationalizing Jesus' admonition. What you remove, you must replace. You ready for these? I'm gonna, by the way, I'm going to give you his, a link to his article because you're going to want it for yourself or you're going to want it for somebody else. I know. Okay? So let's go. Three steps. Here they come. These are short. Number one, step number one, he calls it repentance. What do you mean by repentance? An interesting, interesting definition here. Reject the behavior your addictive behavior, by separating yourself from it. If you have not separated yourself from it, you have not repented. If you're addicted to chocolate and you have chocolate in every drawer, you say, I'm off, I'm off chocolate now, and it's in every drawer, you have not repented. <laughs> it's there, you know, because I'll need it someday. No, you can't do that. Separate yourself from the paraphernalia of that behavior on which you become dependent. Online pornography, paraphernalia, include the Internet. Some of us, that may be the most significant cut we can make. No Internet. Oh, kill me. Well, choose your method of death because pornography is going to kill you. I promise you. It may be the Internet. It may be cable TV. You don't need cable TV. There's nothing you can get on cable TV that you can't get with your brain. It may, it may cut off. You have to cut off the dark web for sure. And you know what? Your smartphone. A friend of mine told me that, hey, Dwight, you know, on, on the smartphone, you can be looking at the smartphone and everybody thinks you're checking up on your mail and you're looking at pornography. So I went online. I said, can you get a smartphone without the web on it? You can. They're cheap. Flip phones. I'm sorry. It's the technology that really entices us. You, you know that's the truth. We're addicted to the technology. You can, you can get a phone that will not connect you to the wide world of the web. Uh, Joe Dallas's point is just separate yourself. Separate yourself from those domains that have possessed your mind and your spirit. Of course it's hard. But if I don't separate myself... The outcome is even worse. What you remove, you must replace. Okay, step number two, he calls it discipleship. Establish yourself in the daily discipline of prayer and Bible study. This is good. Which are requirements for anyone wanting to renew his or her mind. They will diffuse the power of deeply ingrained sexual images because that's part of the, that's part of the devil's bargain. I'm planting this in you forever. No, he's not. It can be accessed in your memory, but it, it does not have to trouble you again. It's this discipleship. What you remove, you must replace. What if you replace Jesus? What, what if you had a, a method that you could use every single morning, first thing before you head out into the day, and you have Jesus inside, and then you go? I'm going to send you a, a link, and you're going to be able to do that if you want that. Step number two is discipleship. Put Jesus in. Come on. Replace the addiction. Put Jesus in. There are only three of these, and here's number three, step number three. This one's going to be a bit tougher. 
He calls it accountability. Start a relationship with at least one believer who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and his redeeming power. With at least one believer who knows about your use of pornography. All right? Have this person ask you on a weekly basis whether you've repeated this behavior and how well you've resisted the temptations to repeat it. You got to replace it. When you remove something, put something in. Put this, make that something that you put in also another human being. Probably not your parent. An older adult. A respected adult in your life. Uh, it can be a counselor. It can be, it can be a chaplain. It can be a pastor. Somebody that you've known and you trust. Hey, would you be willing to... Uh, that's kind of embarrassing, but I, I need somebody to hold me accountable. Would you? Sure. The person would be honored. Of course. You won't tell anybody, will you? Of course not. Accountability. Joe Dallas, by the way, remember, sexual sin thrives in the dark. A large part of recovery from it lies in your willingness to keep your private behavior in the light of another believer's scrutiny and prayer. And I thought, that is well put. You know what? You can get in touch with Dr. Brad Hinman. Brad Hinman is a professor here at Andrews University. He also has uh, the Hinman Counseling Services in town, so he's a counselor. So I go to his website, because my friend that shared that little testimony, he's being helped hugely by Brad Hinman. So I go to the website, and I'll send that to you if you ask for it. Hinman Counseling Services is now conducting a weekly support group for men who are addicted to pornography. Dr. Hinman's dissertation was on pornography addiction. And he has presented locally, regionally, and nationally on this topic more than a dozen times. I'm telling you, there's help. If you want it, there's help. Somebody to whom you now become accountable. You're gonna, you can't do it without step three. You say, I'm just doing steps one and two. You won't do it. You have to become accountable to somebody. And by the way, I'm going to say this, not to a person of the same uh, opposite gender. You're better off being accountable to somebody who's like you. All right, come on. That's a no-brainer. But I say it anyway. Three simple steps to set us free from the addiction that has bound us, whatever that addiction is. And guess what? All three steps are designed. All three steps move us into the open embrace of our forever friend and Savior, Jesus. I'm telling you. He's the winner for you. I want to end with this quotation from Steps to Christ, this little book that saved my life. It saved my life, Steps to Christ. Oh, this is beautiful. We shall often have to bow down and weep at the feet of Jesus because of our shortcomings and mistakes. If you're planning about a 1,000, the major league, you know, the World Series is over. But if you're planning about a 1,000, it's impossible. Uh, what, what, what I'm saying is the, the greatest hitters on earth can't bat a thousand. That means you get a hit every time you step up. There are going to be times when you miss. There are going to be times when you stumble and fall. The good news is God says, that hasn't changed my attitude towards you. I'm still loving on you. I haven't changed. Come on, get up. Hold my hand. Let's do this again. We shall often have to bow down and weep at the feet of Jesus because of our shortcomings and mistakes, but we are not to be discouraged. Even if we are overcome by the enemy, crash and burn. Even then, 
We are not cast off. We are not forsaken. We are not rejected of God. That's the third and final time I'm not being in touch with you, Dwight, anymore. None of that. Keep reading. He desires to restore you to himself, to see his own purity. Oh, I love that. And holiness reflected in you. And if you will but yield yourself to him, he who has begun a good work in you will carry it forward until the day Jesus Christ comes back. And he's coming back for you, sister. He's coming back for you, brother. He's coming back soon. This would be a good time to start calling on him. Remove what's in your life and replace it with the Lord Jesus Christ. This would be the good time. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Wow. I will ever love and trust him. In his presence daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. We're going to sing that in just a moment, but I, I, I promise you some websites. So come on. Let's do the connect card thing. Uh, your visitor here, pull your phone out. You're going to type in. You, this is the number you want to go to, 269-281-2345. We'll wait for you. Somebody came up to me, a visitor afterwards, and said, what was that number again? So I'm just, I need to not hurry through that number. So we're, I'm leaving that for you right now. Don't worry about it. You just put that number on. Nobody knows why you're putting that number on. And nobody knows how you're going to respond. But you do it. Don't worry about the people sitting around you. 269-281-2345. And today, you're going you're gonna, to uh, text the word TRIUMPH1. TRIUMPH1. Yep. And when you do that, you'll see a page that will open up. And then you'll have these options. And I'm, I'll, you, you'll hear from me directly in, in the next split second. Let's go. So my next steps today are, and it's a roll down, it's a roll down uh, scroll, so you'll you just pick them as you go. Box number one, I want to replace what I remove from my life and fill it with Jesus. Me too. And I'm going to put a check mark right there. And you'll get a no from me. Box number two, please send me Joe Dallas' essay on the three vital steps to overcome addiction. As I said, you're going to want this article and you're going to share this article. If you work with human beings as a way of life, get this article. The people you're working with, 90% chance will need what this article brings to your life. Okay? I'll send you the, uh, the web link. Uh, box number three, please send me a simple but doable way to begin a fresh devotional life with Jesus. You put a check mark there, and I'll give you a way where you can be 20 minutes in the morning. You will be on your way. Replace what you remove. Re- so you're going to replace by bringing Jesus in what you're asking him to keep removed from your life. Put a check mark there. And finally, I want to follow Jesus and be baptized. Yeah, I got baptized once in this, this hymn. That's how old this hymn is. They sang it when I got baptized. Teenager. It's okay. You haven't been baptized yet as a teenager? Put a check mark there. We'll be in touch with you. You're a college student. Whoa. No, good. There's not a certain age you got to come to. You just make a decision. You put a check mark there. We'll be in touch with you electronically. Remove it. We give you permission. Replace it. Come in, please. The best is yet to come. We are on the cusp of a new chapter with you that we have never lived before. Honor every decision that's been made. Every heart that is resting, shall I make this decision? You let him know. You let her know. This is the decision. You will assist her. You'll help him. 
And we give it to you with gratitude. In the name that is above every name, let all the people say, Amen. Amen.